Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, where we explore how to make space for everyone in the yoga community. This podcast is brought to you by the Accessible Yoga Association, a nonprofit organization focused on accessibility and equity in yoga. Hi, I'm your host, Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him, and I serve as the director of Accessible Yoga. And I'm your co-host, Amber Carnes. My pronouns are she and her, and I serve as president of the Accessible Yoga Board of Directors. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Jeevana, and I'm very excited today to have a special guest, Natita Gessel. Hi. 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 Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Natita is a licensed psychotherapist, an experienced registered yoga teacher, and trauma-conscious yoga educator, and the founder of the Trauma Conscious Yoga Institute. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. I'm so excited about talking to you. Um, yeah. Just, I don't know, it was a couple months ago, uh, mm-hmm. and you're going to be teaching as part of the Accessible Yoga Schools Trauma and Yoga Series, but I was really excited that you could uh, speak to us today. Focusing, I want to focus on our topic of yoga for sexual trauma, but I, I thought first we could just hear more about your work. I wonder if you could kind of tell us about how you got started, maybe? I read that you were a ballet dancer, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> I was. And that's actually how I got. It's all related to how I came to yoga and how I actually ended up doing the work I do. So. So, yeah, I can share a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I started training uh, as a dancer when I was young, like in elementary school. And it was my outlet. So I'm a survivor. I'm a trauma survivor, um, having survived various types of trauma over the years. And there was some trauma in my childhood that I didn't even recognize at the time was trauma. It took me a long time to really identify it as that. But what I did recognize, even as a young person, was that dancing was an outlet for me. Hmm. It was a way for me to express myself emotionally And what I realized it was doing for me now is that it was helping me to metabolize and discharge trauma that I was experiencing as a kid. And Mm -hmm. I never knew that, but that's what it was for me. It became everything for me. It became a part of my identity and I knew that I wanted to dance professionally and I was a ballet dancer, um, you know, so it was a very, Mm-hmm. disciplined you know, um, kind of bubble of ballet that I that I was in and yeah. I went to performing arts high school mm-hmm. oh, my my aunt was a professional ballerina um kind oh. of way back um she was really well known her name's Allegra Kent and she was no like no way a, you know hold on you know, yeah uh-huh. Oh my gosh, that is, we'll have to talk about that more later. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, of course I know Lager Kent. <laughs> yeah, she was incredible, like back in the oh day. Oh my gosh. I know. And so wow. I definitely saw like what you're talking about, um, you know, the kind mm-hmm. of, I, I think ballet is maybe the most misunderstood, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it, art uh, that exists. Art? I mean, yeah. it's, it's really such a athletic endeavor but people think of it like oh it's just dance and it's just it's so intense Mm -hmm. oh my god so it's incredibly intense i mean i would come home you know as a 13 year old with bloody toes you know yeah um and i i would you know i would um i'm gonna give a little activation warning now because as Mm -hmm. i'm sharing my story you know as a trauma survivor there 
there is triggering that could happen for people. So I want to go ahead and, and give that activation warning now and invite people to take care of themselves and pause mm-hmm. if they need to. Um, what I was going to say was, you know, I remember thinking in high school that my feet weren't good enough because I was told that they weren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's for a ballet dancer. It is this really weird kind of just separate world where there's certain things that matter a lot that nobody else in the world actually cares about like your feet, and, <laughs> right? And there's a certain arch that you need to have in order to have, quote, good feet. And I didn't have that. Hmm. I mean, I was almost flat-footed, which is like unspeakable in the ballet world. You get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of shit. I don't know if I can curse on here. But oh, yeah. You might be, okay. be my guest. Okay. You get a lot of, no. you know, a lot of shit for not having, quote, good feet. So I remember um, putting my feet in this foot stretcher Mm. and sleeping with my feet in a foot stretcher overnight, Um, you know, and, and waking up and almost feeling like my ankles couldn't move. And it was kind of scary. I had to like kind of slowly move my ankles because I had overstretched my feet through the night. And, um, you know, I share that to say that there was trauma happening for me, you know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't recognize what was happening, but there was a message that I perceived quite often. And sometimes it was spoken rather explicitly that I wasn't good enough, you know? So, so anyways, you know, there was a lot of trauma I was experiencing, um, both within and outside of dance, but at the same time, dance was like my outlet to metabolize some of Mm. that. So it was this interesting kind of conflicted relationship. Um, but I ended up dancing like semi-professionally and professionally, with a couple of different companies. I was no Allegra Kent, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I did a little bit, you know. Yeah, and um, I actually stopped dancing when I recognized that an eating disorder that I had was just totally out of hand. Mm -hmm. And a, a colleague of mine actually brought it to my attention. And I was like, you know what, you're right. And it was a bit of a wake up call that I had very abruptly and I just recognized I couldn't keep living like this. I wasn't going to keep doing this to myself, that, you know, there was healing that was possible for me. And that would lead to a, a happier, kinder existence. Mm. And I was interested in that. So so for me, I had to stop dancing in order to really separate from the, the maladaptive behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. The eating disorder was just a symptom of unresolved trauma. Yeah. And yeah, so that's how I found yoga. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that the ballet world has a lot of that. It's very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. you found yoga then, right, to support yourself with your healing? Yeah, yeah. And and ironically, you know, I share that I'm a survivor. But, you know, mm-hmm. in that interim between, it was a very short interim between leaving the dance world, like intentionally deciding I was going to stop and finding yoga but during that interim i actually did experience some sexual trauma mm-hmm. so there was more trauma that was happening right and it, in part probably because and this is in no way to say the trauma was my fault but you know i was very disconnected from myself from my truth and even from my body as a dancer i was very disconnected mm-hmm. so you know so i was carrying all of that but i was I was a seeker by nature and by that I mean like a spiritual seeker and I was really invested in doing some work and doing some deep work <clears throat> and um, 
I wanted to become a therapist. I'd, I'd wanted to become a therapist for a long time. Like I thought I would mm -hmm. uh, dance until I couldn't dance anymore. And then I would go to school and be a psychologist. That was my plan. Mm -hmm. uh, but interestingly enough, I also never found talk therapy as helpful <laughs> as I wanted it to be. So, but basically I, when I left the dance world, I, was in college and I had a couple more credits to finish up and I decided I wanted to get into yoga. Um, I actually had no interest in the asana or the physical movement because my body had already done so much of that mm -hmm. with the dance. Um, and I actually, we've talked about this before, you and I, I grew up in a home with a Raja yogi mm -hmm. and Buddhist as a father. Um, he actually doesn't, he never called himself a Buddhist, but he, he studied Buddhism and he studied Raja yoga, meaning that he focused on the yoga sutras and he meditated daily. Um, so I was exposed to all of this as a kid, but neither one of my parents never really invited us to get into spiritual practice with them. My mom identified as a Christian. My father, you know, practiced yoga and studied Buddhism, but they never really made us or even encouraged us to do any of the things they were doing, which mm -hmm. left it kind of open for us to find it on our own, which I appreciate. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but I was, but I remember the impact that the meditation and the chanting um, had on my dad. I was just really curious about that. And so when I decided to sign up for a yoga class at my university, I was really most interested in like the philosophy and the meditation and the breathing because I was really anxious and mm -hmm. the asana was a part of it, but it was all great. You know, it was three days a week and healing was happening like right away. Something felt like home about it. And I think it's because it didn't take long for me to really land in my body and be embodied in a way I hadn't before. And so I mm -hmm. recognized that home was actually in me. Mm, that's beautiful. And so, but it wasn't through the asana that you found that because you were, it was so interesting when you said that you were not that interested in the as, in asana practice because you were already so in the into physical movement with dance, because I think most people think that dancers go to yoga for that asana practice. Mm -hmm, and it's, mm -hmm. it's not true. I mean, it's just not really true. Yoga is right. just so much more. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's interesting. I had a dance teacher in high school who she would lead us through sun salutations as a part mm -hmm. of our warm up on stage pre-performance. Yeah. Um, and I had a little bit of exposure to Bikram yoga, you know, because a very, uh, <laughs> uh, I would say self-masochistic <laughs> roommate of mine at one point, you know, was very uh, determined to go to Bikram constantly. And I went with her a couple of times. Um, mm. But, um, but yeah, for me, I wasn't, it wasn't that I was like anti-asana, but that wasn't what I was wanting. I was wanting the other aspects of the practice. Right. And um, it just so happened that Asana, you know, did come with it because it was a university class. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but the Asana was beneficial, too, because it was all it's all connected and it all empowered me to just cultivate a different relationship with myself. And I right. found self-compassion that I had never known before. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you basically were becoming you were studying psychotherapy in school mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, then, and practicing yoga for yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, and it, I guess it just seemed obvious to bring them together. Is that what you <laughs> figured out? Yeah. Or? Yeah. It's a great question. It did because so the healing was happening and, um, and like I said, I, I was very aware of the fact that talk therapy Hmm. was not the only thing right and i recognized how healing yoga was for me and i i saw yoga as a form of therapy so my intention right away my idea or hmm. you know not that i'm the only one to have done this um, yeah. especially not at this point in time as many people who integrate the two but my thought was like i'm gonna combine these two mm-hmm. um and i went on to yoga teacher training right away i hadn't even been practicing for a year before i kind of accidentally landed in a yoga teacher training and i taught for a while actually before i ended up going to graduate school and Mm -hmm. when i did then i became a licensed uh, social worker eventually a licensed clinical social worker so you know now i'm in private practice and I mean, today the work I do is I call myself a somatic psychotherapist, which means that, you know, somatic is related to the body. So we're not just talking. Um, A somatic psychotherapist is someone Mm -hmm. who sees the value and really uh, necessity of supporting people and being with what's showing up for them within their bodies. So connecting to the body, having a conversation with the body, even moving the body. Right. Yeah. And yoga can be a, a beautiful part of that, even in the psychotherapy uh, setting. Can you say more about that? Like, I'm just curious about mm-hmm. how how do you use yoga in your practice? Like, on the, mm-hmm. So if you're coming, if you have a client who's coming to you for um, therapy, do you, do you use mm-hmm. yoga? Do you use Raja yoga, yoga philosophy, or do you actually do asanas with them? That's a great question. I do all of it. I do all of it. And I train other people to do the same thing. That's part Mm -hmm. of the work I do. I train other therapists, but, but yeah, so for instance, um, so my style is whenever someone comes in for any session and I explain this on the very first session, I offer that at the very beginning of session, we do some pranayama together. Mm -hmm. This is a way to drop in. Um, and so with every client at the very beginning, we might do pranayama. There's always, there's always choice, right? Cause I specialize in trauma. So I'm very much about choice. Um, so the client can always accept or decline the invitation to practice pranayama. And in other times it may look something like, um, <clears throat> it may look like, let's see, um, a client is connecting to a part of themselves in their body. You know, maybe, maybe we're talking about the client's tendency to be a people pleaser. Right. Um, And so as a somatic psychotherapist, I might support the client in connecting to that people pleasing part of them in their body and getting to know it and how it shows up and where it comes from and what it needs. And sometimes when a client connects to a part of their body, it may want them to move. And so sometimes I'll invite in intuitive movement, offer that the client move with the, the body in the way that the body is asking them to. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes a client just doesn't want to do a lot of talking at all. Like they're just tired. We might just get on the floor and do some restorative postures mm-hmm. or even some more, even some salutations if there's a lot of anxiety or energy to mobilize. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple other examples are, for example, mudras, you know, gestures we take with our hands mm-hmm. can be very supportive to clients for different reasons. 
And then the philosophy, I kind of integrate always, all the time without thinking about it. Um, this may resonate with you, probably will resonate with you. It's like once you study the philosophy of yoga so much, it becomes a part of you yeah. and you embody it. So it's kind of always there in the room. Mm -hmm. But um, I may actually more explicitly introduce yogic or even like Buddhist concepts within therapy, for example, like beginner's mind, which is a Buddhist concept of, okay, let's slow down and you know, let's approach the body from this this attitude of beginner's mind, right? Because a lot of the times when people go to their bodies, there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of thinking. They already know a thing about the body. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so those are some examples. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a yoga therapist, but I feel like um, it's so interesting to look at kind of the, the scope of practice and the techniques that would be used by someone who's an like a psychotherapist versus a yoga therapist versus a yoga teacher, you know, and mm -hmm. especially dealing with someone who has, um, who presents with trauma and is trying to address that in a yeah. session, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or a group. Yeah. I just wonder if you have more thoughts about that. Like, I, cause I know you also train yoga teachers. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, more thoughts about the differences. Yeah. Between because mm -hmm. I just, I guess specifically maybe in your work, you could talk about how, how is it different when you work with a client? I mean, you're training other therapists to, to integrate yoga in their practice versus supporting yoga teachers to address people mm -hmm. who have mm -hmm. trauma and like not, tr not allowing yoga teachers to cross that boundary where they're actually yeah. becoming therapists. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a good question. Okay. I can answer this. Yeah. So so in the trainings I lead, in the training I, I lead, it's called the Trauma Conscious Yoga Method, um, which does introduce some somatic experiencing and somatic therapy um, teachings, um, while also being available to yoga teachers and not people who are all clinicians. Mm -hmm. um, I offer a parallel process. So a lot of the training, it's, it's, it's not just like, how do you work with survivors in a supportive way, but how can you heal the parts of you that have been waiting for you, you know, that you have maybe repressed or ignored, or you just don't even know they're there. Right. Cause one of the things I, I offer is that our wounds lead us to this work. And that's a very powerful thing, right? We all do the work we do because there's some type of personal resonance. Right. And so usually people that want to work with trauma survivors are them themselves survivors. I'm an example of that, right? So, but the the um, the tendency can be is that because we are so close to the material that we're working with, because we're also a survivor, it's very easy to project our mm -hmm. own stuff onto the mm -hmm. people we're working with. Or, or let's say, for example, right? Let's say somebody has that people pleasing part of themselves. Well, how does that show up when you're working with people that you're wanting to help? Right. Because sometimes that can look like you're, you're wanting people to perform for you. Right. Or you're trying to perform for somebody or get a certain reaction out of them. Mm. Right. And that can be unconscious to us, but it, it can be harmful to the people we're working with who we actually do really want to help. So, um, you know, yoga is a journey of bringing darkness to light and it's a journey of Swadhyaya or self-study. So first and foremost, the training I offer it's about self-study. Like, let's get to know what we're holding, what what we could still work on, what we could heal. And so, for yoga teachers and clinicians and anyone, that's very valuable. 
So that's one. Um, you know, and and it, when it comes to scope of practice, we go over scope of practice in the training because it's true as a yoga teacher, unless you are a clinician, your scope of practice is not to provide therapy, right? It's not to do too much in that realm. Uh, but you know, if there's a part of you that tends to want to cross that line, well, if we're doing self-study, you can get to know that part of you. Why is it that you're crossing that line? You know, why is it that you're you know, kind of dancing on that fragile line between, you know, this is it within my scope and this is with, without my scope. Um, so that's one example. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's yeah. really helpful. I mean, scope mm -hmm. of practice is so important. And I, I just know I used to train yoga therapists and I've been training yoga teachers for a long time. And just th there's a mm -hmm. lot of difference there. There's a lot of the difference within the scope of practice for a yoga teacher who may only have 200 hours of training versus a yoga therapist who probably has at least a thousand hours. Right. And, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For and sure. I mean, and then with a therapist, with a psychotherapist, it's like another level. Um, you know, that's mm -hmm. really a medical provider because a yoga therapist still is not a medical provider really. Right. So we're, right. we're still, you know, our work as yoga therapists is just around teaching yoga and sharing yoga, mm -hmm. but we can get mm -hmm. more involved with someone's, past history and medical history as a yoga therapist than a yoga teacher might. Um, right. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, so yeah, being very explicit about scope of practice is huge, you know, and in the trainings I lead, there tend to be more clinicians in the room. However, for the people who are in the room who are, I mean, sometimes there's body workers or like school teachers and yoga teachers and yoga therapists, you know, um, everyone's attending all the same lectures. So having the exposure to some of the lectures, there's a couple lectures that may feel more clinical or more geared toward the clinicians. Um, what I've witnessed is that the yoga teachers and those who are not clinicians still get something out of that, you know, because they're learning a lot about themselves through the process while yeah. also recognizing that's not necessarily what they're doing with mm. clients. Mm -hmm. But for the yoga teachers, we go over, you know, how trauma shows up in the body, how prevalent trauma is, right? As a yoga teacher, you are for sure working with survivors in your class and you're for sure working with uh, survivors of sexual trauma because unfortunately mm -hmm. sexual trauma is so common and it, it happens and manifests in so many different ways. We're always working with it. So it's important to be aware of that, you know, and then we go over like, you know, it's not, it's not about do this, don't do this, even mm -hmm. though we may, we may go over, you know, some suggestions around what we probably would want to do differently or be more conscious of when we're working with survivors, uh, you know, but yoga teachers basically can think about how they're delivering their teachings in a way that is, I mean, ultimately offering dignity and respect and autonomy and agency to mm -hmm. the people that they're teaching. Yeah, I appreciate that because I, you know, to me, it feels like the theme in all trauma, you know, trauma conscious or trauma sensitive yoga seems to be around power and, and agency and shifting the power dynamics so that it's not about uh, the normal hierarchy that we would see in a yoga class where the teacher has authority and power and the student doesn't, but rather mm -hmm. switch that because trauma maybe just um, can be reinforced by that same dynamic. So in a 
more conscious classroom, you're trying to create a more equitable relationship between teacher and student. And this, it's been interesting to me because I always, I mean, to me, this is what accessible yoga is about, you know, but I've been studying more trauma recently and I just feel like accessible yoga is kind of based on the idea that people have trauma already, that people have Mm -hmm. disability and trauma and issues that you just can't see and know. And that the heart of yoga is about really um, giving people agency, like you said, which is, Mm -hmm. which is like the basic philosophy, right? That we all have this essence, this power within us that we're trying to reconnect Mm -hmm. with. So it feels like it's like teaching in alignment with what yoga says do you know what i mean right right yeah yeah yoga is a pathway for liberation right Right. so how can we be free when people are you know demanding that we do things their way you know Uh um which is you know it's ironic i think it's important to mention that there's been a lot of abuse in the yoga world yeah um you know and i mean yoga was you know first written about over a millennia ago, you know, or maybe not that long ago, probably orally taught over a millennia ago, but, you know, first written about in the Rig Veda thousands and thousands of years ago, um, you know, and was taught in a very different way back then. And, you know, as you know, yoga, as it's come to the West, has inherited some of the post-colonial problems, right? And um, the, the energy of gurus or teachers who have actually sexually abused their students. So sometimes when people go to teacher trainings, um, what they are getting, the way that they're taught to teach is in a very uh, authoritarian way, a very demanding way, a very, what could be exploitive way. Um, You know, some people are taught to teach in their teacher trainings, you know, to think of themselves as the authority and the students as students, right? Um, And so that's what Mm -hmm. accessible yoga and that's what trauma-conscious yoga um, seeks to dismantle, is to reclaim yoga as a path to liberation where everyone is seen for their humanity and for their divinity, you know, and everyone is treated with respect and given the, the power to have agency over their experience. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Thank you. Um, do you. Could you give some? Well, I want to talk. Ask you two things. One is <laughs> to talk generally about you know the benefits of yoga for people who've had sexual trauma or trauma in general. But also, I'm curious about specific tips you have for yoga teachers. So I don't know where you'd want to start. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's go for go with the benefits and then the tips. Okay. Yeah. So with the benefits, there's so many, <laughs> um, could be here for a long time, but yeah. I'll, I'll start with this, um, you know, as a spiritual practice, yoga is a pathway for awakening. You know, like we said, it's a pathway for liberation. It's a pathway for really returning to our true nature. So, you know, within yoga, it's taught within the scriptures, you know, in many traditions of yoga, there's an understanding that we are born connected to our true nature, like we remember the truth, but 
it's it's not long before you know it's not long after our birth that we we get bombarded with the projections of the people around us and we start to house those projections in our bodies and our vision becomes obscured by this veil some people call it a veil of illusion you know um you know but we kind of lose connection to our own truth our own true nature and our own uh intricate interconnectedness with all things and all beings and so yoga as a pathway to remembering our truth is in then in correct or i would say direct alignment with the pathway of trauma healing which is also about remembering our truth and our true nature because trauma you know those projections that get bombarded onto us as is taught in the yoga scriptures i mean those projections are trauma right we are met with the um the leftover trauma from our ancestors and the trauma that our parents haven't metabolized and the systemic trauma um, imparted by society all of that is placed on us and we internalize that and we house it in our bodies and so trauma healing involves returning to our true nature so can i, can I just interrupt for a second so and you're talking mm -hmm. about systemic like race-based trauma which or other kinds of um mm -hmm. genetic trauma that's passed down mm -hmm. for generations mm -hmm. i know that's a specialty of yours i just want to mention that mm -hmm. yeah 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 sorry go ahead yeah <laughs> yeah i know you're good. Uh, thank you for um you know, seeking clarification because yeah systemic trauma is huge it impacts everything it impacts how we can access resources in the aftermath of sexual trauma or whether we don't have access to resources, you know? So it's, uh, if we're not looking at systemic trauma for me, we're not actually you know, looking at the whole picture. Um, you know, so, so yeah, what was I talking about again? <laughs> uh, well, you were talking about how, you know, you, you made the, a really beautiful connection between yoga as a spiritual mm -hmm. practice, connecting with our truth and mm -hmm. healing from trauma as the same kind of connecting with mm -hmm. our authentic self yes. that may have been disrupted through the, through trauma. Is that yes. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the pathways are really one, in my opinion. So if we're looking to reclaim our truth in the, you know, in the aftermath of trauma, and in the process of trauma recovery, yoga then provides this beautiful pathway to help us do that. So, so that's one. Um, and then, you know, on a more neurobiological framework, trauma is held in the body. When, when we experience trauma, our prefrontal lobe is offline. So that's the rational, logic, thinking part of our brain. That part is offline, right? So, so just talking about trauma talking about trauma can can bring relief to some people like they'll they'll experience relief in the aftermath of or you know talking about it but um to really resolve trauma fully it needs to be metabolized from the body because we store it in our tissues we store it in our muscles we store it in our our nervous system reactivity so the asana um and the pranayama and the embodied philosophy of yoga actually provide a beautiful opportunity to connect to the body in a mindful, conscious way and do some of that, that work. And you don't always have to know what the trauma was uh, to metabolize it from your body. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes there's sexual abuse that happens way early in childhood. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's trauma that happens in the womb when we're in utero. And obviously mm-hmm. there's intergenerational trauma that, you know, we're carrying from our ancestors. So we don't have to know exactly what it was that mm-hmm. happened. We don't have to have a story for it or a narrative for it necessarily to free it from the body. And so yoga offers an opportunity for that. Hmm. That's awesome. And it's important too, mm-hmm. I feel like, because I think sometimes if people can't identify a specific cause or story, it's almost like it's just their fault then. You know what I mean? Like it almost feels mm-hmm. like without a story, um, it's harder to, I don't know, like conceptualize or heal maybe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, you know, find relief in, in knowing the story, you know, but also if there's a part of someone that has to have a story, like in therapy, I would help someone explore that part of themselves because we can't have a story for everything. Like, again, if there's trauma that happened when we were pre-verbal, you know, that we just can't access with conscious memory, it's still being held in our body, but it's hard to have a story for it. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. what we can do is we can write a new story though. You know, we can write a new story around, you know, Mm -hmm. how, this wasn't our fault and this isn't our identity. This isn't who we are. We are more than our trauma, you know, but we don't have to, to remember exactly what happened in order to heal it. Right. That's important. Thank you. So are, so I mean, like you said, there's kind of endless benefits to using yoga for sexual trauma but it seems like or for trauma in general and sexual trauma in Mm -hmm. particular i wonder if you could talk about that is there something particular about sexual trauma that yoga is helpful for do you think yeah yeah that's a great question well i think you know the impact of sexual trauma is it's just huge right because there's so i mean there's so many just horrific things that happen in the world um And it's not to compare and say that any type of trauma is worse or better, you know, that would be silly um, than others, you know, but there's just something about sexual trauma that is such an extreme violation, Mm -hmm. you know, that the practice of yoga, this journey of self-discovery and returning to our truth is just incredibly powerful. And also from a, a chakra perspective, well, sexual trauma impacts all the seven, you know, main chakras that we talk mm-hmm. about in yoga. Um, mm-hmm. But particularly, you know, thinking about like the second chakra, which is where the sex organs are and the hips, right? That we do hip, hip openers. That's a second chakra. And also the, the heart chakra, you know, because there's a lot of grief in the aftermath um, and the throat chakra, because oftentimes trauma in general, you know, mm-hmm. involves us not having a voice, but there's something, you know, again, very um, palpable about sexual trauma and just mm-hmm. the significance of it, you know, and us not having a voice. Um, and I could go into more, I'm thinking about things, but I don't want to trigger people too much. Um, you know, so there's something about being able to move through these channels in the body um, and, and open them up and access them you know, because the the way we hold on to sexual trauma in our bodies, it creates a lot of tightness. It creates a lot of fear in the muscles, um, particularly in the chakras that I mentioned. It creates just a lot of dis-ease. So mm-hmm. 
yoga asanas in particular and pranayama, like moving energy through the body are just incredibly powerful. If approached from a conscious way, you know, and when you're teaching yoga, you know, it's got to be approached from a conscious way where you're really honoring what the person is ready for. Well, so let's, can we shift to that then? Do you have Mm -hmm. um, advice for yoga teachers, you know, specific things that they could do to make their classes more trauma conscious? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, one thing, and this is what I teach in my trainings is do your own work. I invite you just to do your own work. Um, Because when we choose to teach from a trauma conscious lens, it cannot be about us. Mm-hmm. And um, it cannot be about our own ego. And and what I mean is that, and yoga teachers are very well-intentioned, usually, like very, as a group of people, very warm, loving, open people. So it's mm-hmm. not to villainize yoga teachers, obviously, but we're human. And when we first get into teaching, a lot of the times it's about us. That's mm-hmm. why we get into it for us, you know, um, because yoga has been meaningful to us or it could be a cool way for us to make money. Um, and again, if we took a 200 hour yoga teacher training where we were told that we get to have power over people, whether that was, um, offered to us explicitly or maybe more implicitly, um, we may show up to teach in a way where we are really, um, embodying that Hmm. or disembodying that, right? Hmm. (laughs) we're We're the authority. So it really can be about us. And what I mean, here's an example. When I first started teaching yoga, I wasn't teaching trauma-informed yoga. I was teaching the way I learned how to teach. And, um, you know, I'd been a dancer, so I loved teaching vinyasa classes that were super creative, like Mm. the most creative, crazy flow. You're doing all, you're doing bath flips, basically. You're doing rock star here, you know, such and such there, splits here. Like, but the people I was teaching at the time loved that, um, I was teaching in Queens, you know, I remember teaching in Queens and all these artists would come to the class and it was Mm. just a wild class, but it was about me. It was about Mm. like, what Mm -hmm. type of creative sequence can I give this week to please these people? You know, like, how can I kick their ass this week? You know, um, well, it's performance in a way, right? It's it's like another kind of performance. performance. Yeah. Yeah. It's very performative. Right. Yeah. That's such a great word. Yeah. Um, and when I started to teach in a trauma conscious way, it's not that I had to lose my creativity at all, but I had to shift my priorities. My priority is what do the people right in front of me need right now? Knowing, I mean, the challenge is for yoga teachers, you might have 20 people in a classroom. You don't know their story. As a therapist, you know their story, right? You don't know their story. You don't know what what people have been through more than likely. So you you want to be incredibly conscious. Just teach as though somebody in that room has survived horrific sexual trauma, honestly, um, because more than likely somebody has. And we think we know what trauma survivors look like, but we don't. You, somebody could be so well put together, have a crazy successful career, you know, walk into your yoga class before they change and be wearing like the most expensive designer clothes. And mm. you might think one thing about them and never know mm-hmm. that they were sex trafficked as a child, right? You, you just, you don't know. So the part of it is just understanding that sexual trauma is so common and trauma in general. And honestly, in my perspective, we're all survivors. 
all of mm-hmm. us because trauma is not just like the big major events it's the small things too yeah um and so offering choice offering invitations to do things you know it doesn't mean you have to start every sequence with i invite you to (laughs) can i ask about that because i I did hear a concern a teacher told me that uh, there's a very experienced teacher who said that they're noticing that newer yoga teachers don't even know what to say anymore because they're Mm -hmm. just afraid to say anything and they're just like you know like hesitant with all their words and their instruction I just want I mean, to and I think that's that. good. I think that's good because like things are shifting, but yeah. yeah, then it gets confusing. So that comes up in my training a lot from the yoga teachers. Like mm-hmm. if you're a yoga teacher who teaches, feel like you're teaching a sun salutation. What are you supposed to say? I invite you to lift your arms up. <laughs> I invite you to fold forward. Inhale. I invite you to step your right foot yeah. back. You know, I invite you to chaturanga. Like you're not going to do <laughs> So it's not about, you know, it's not about that checklist, like do this, don't do this. It's about what is the overall environment? What's the mm-hmm. overall vibe you're creating, right? Are you creating a vibe or an environment of choice, of safety, or are you creating an environment of like, uh, you know, um, power, you know, for lack of a better I, I mean, word. I just want to like, I just want you to say that again, because I just, I'm so grateful to you for sharing mm-hmm. that message. And I think it's been lost, you know, in all the details. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how people, we, it seems like we get obsessed with the details and lose track of that mm-hmm. issue around right. power. It's about power, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. It's about, you know, show up like the Buddha would show up. Mm-hmm. You know? right. Show up with compassion, Show up with compassion, show up with generosity, show up Mm. with patience, show up with metta, loving kindness, Mm -hmm. show up with, you know, an egoless experience, like not, not, you know, moving from your ego. And that's why doing your own work is so important. You know, it's really about how you show up. Yeah. And, and everybody has that kind, wise, loving self within them. So it's Mm -hmm. about tapping into that when you teach. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I'm just writing about this because I am, I'm a little mm-hmm. obsessed with this idea, but I think it's exactly what it is, is that teaching is a practice. And if you approach teaching right. as a practice, that's, then it, it's what you described, which is that you have mm-hmm. to do your work to really reflect on how are you showing up? Are you, are you conscious of your issues? You don't have to solve them, but you're conscious of them right, right. and how, how they might show up within a class or any kind of situation where you have authority, I think it's then really, really important Mm -hmm. that you're, you have an extra burden, you know, as a teacher to, to have done some of that work. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the way you phrased that. Yeah. Yeah. You have an extra burden or even like incentive or, Mm -hmm. you know, responsibility. You just have a responsibility. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yay. Wow. Thank you. for I, This is so awesome. I don't know. Did you have more you wanted to share? It's, uh, there's so much there and I'm just so grateful to you. And again, yeah. I, I'm excited for our talk uh, this summer, you know, your talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be talking at that trauma and yoga series at the Accessible Yoga School. And yeah. um, this is exactly what I was hoping to focus on over there. And I'm just mm-hmm. excited to hear that. Um, anything yeah. else you want to share about this and maybe about your work and how people can find you? 
Sure. Yeah, I think we covered a lot. Um, <laughs> it feels, but not too much. I think it was it was okay. just right. Um, so I think this is a good place to kind of pause and invite you know people to to take some time to check in with themselves and mm-hmm. and so yeah, I've enjoyed our talk so much, and I'm happy to share how people can stay in touch. Great. Um. So if you're interested in learning more about what I do, you can visit my website, which is traumaconsciousyoga.com. Um, and on the website, you will see the trainings that I offer listed. We are still in the process of getting our 2022 and 2023 like full calendar up, but we are offering some in-person trainings coming up. Um, and we have I have a live virtual training in July, as well as an on-demand training. Um, that's always up and it's all the same trauma conscious yoga method certification and this will be played in april so the bundle that i'm doing with uh, zabi yamasaki will still be going on so people may know zabi yamasaki who just wrote a book Mm -hmm. trauma-informed yoga for survivors of sexual assault and her business is uh, transcending sexual trauma through yoga so once a year we offer our two courses together so people can get a discount on them. So That's right now, Zabi and I are offering that. Yeah, it's That's fun. Awesome. And we do coaching calls together for wow. people that sign up. And yeah. And Zabi's so also happening. doing a workshop for us, by the way. So for accessible yoga, people mm-hmm. can go and check out. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes for, well, for the website, that, for your website and your training, but also for the workshop that Zabi is offering um, through accessible yoga. Yeah, mm-hmm. in April. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, and yeah, you know, people can follow me on social media, on Instagram. I'll just give, maybe I'll just give you that information. You can share it. Yeah. And um, yeah, you can stay tuned. I just wrote a book. Um, I don't have the date that it comes, <laughs> have the date that it comes out yet, but I'll have that soon. And it's a book on um embodiment trauma healing and spirituality wow so awesome congratulations thank you thank you maybe we'll we'll have you back when the book comes out okay oh that'd be fun (laughs) yeah that'd be fun (laughs) thank you so much for all this and yeah i'll put all that in the show notes and um yeah i appreciate your time and what you shared with us today really awesome Yeah, thank you so much. And I I appreciate everyone who listens. And I just want to send you love and peace on your healing journey. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Jivana. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We're so grateful to be in community with you. Please check out our website, accessibleyoga.org, to find out more about our upcoming programs, including our annual Accessible Yoga Conference. At our website, you can also learn more about how to become an Accessible Yoga Ambassador and support the work that we are doing in the world. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also submit a question or suggest a topic or potential guest you'd like us to interview at accessibleyoga.org. See you next time.